once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You are listening to us as either a radio loop, that is the second link on the aforementioned homepage of our website, uh, or you are listening to us as a standard podcast. That's the, the first link on that page. Uh, both easily, uh, easily uh, differentiated, both easy to find. They're right below the picture of the microphone that I'm speaking into right now, although I'm not sure that's an appropriate or an effective point of reference uh, since you are not seeing that microphone unless, of course, you're at the website, which, of course, you had to go through in some way if you wanted to listen. Or, of course, the other way to uh, get us, as it were, is to go wherever wherever you get your podcasts and simply uh, look for center-left radio. No need to uh, go through the entire address. Uh, I, I, I can remember when it first became standard that long strings of words without spaces in between became the way in which you defined um, websites and, and so many other things, files of all sorts. And, and like everything else, it takes some, um, it takes some getting used to. And I, I don't know why, maybe it's, a, it's an, a, an age thing, but I, I, I have, uh, I have uh, to people who know me, uh, I've become uh, known as one word. Uh, I'm always saying center left talk radio, one word, and somehow uh, assuming that people might not figure that out, but clearly, Clearly, in this day and age, people do. It's not a great secret that there are no spaces between the words. There is um, stuff that still is surprising, though. Stuff that, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily expect. And it winds up, it's stuff of a, of a very, very analog nature. Nothing digital at all about what I'm about to mention. It seems last night, at some point uh, in the middle of the night, we had an earthquake. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. That's, that's, that's kind of, um, that, that's not something you normally hear from someone who lives in the lower Hudson Valley. Um, but we did, in fact, have an earthquake that was centered just north of downtown Yonkers, which is within walking distance. Well, on a good day, on a good day, I can walk from here, from where I am, to downtown Yonkers. And just that far away from me was the epicenter of an earthquake. Now, my wife apparently uh, was awakened by it, uh, I was not. I was not. I slept through the whole damn thing. My wife described it as kind of a, it was sort of a boom that, that she heard. And like everything literally was a vibration as though, a, a, as though some kind of explosion had gone off. How on earth I slept through it, I have no idea. But I did. There is no damage. They're, uh, they're measuring it. They're still coming up with the measurement for it, but it'll be minuscule as, as earthquakes of any significance go, probably in the, you know, I don't know, one range or something like that. En enough to basically uh, just let you know that there is such a thing as earthquakes and they can happen around here. The, the last time... Uh, I can remember uh, being in an earthquake 
would be, and I'm, I'm realizing that at the time I was living uh, in Forest Hills, which means it had to be at least 30 plus years ago, long, long time back. And at that juncture, um, inter interesting how that one, it also happened at night, by the way. In the, in the middle of the night, to, to, to be precise about that. And I remember having a dream that there was this screeching noise, and I, I, I associate that particular screeching noise with the sound that subway trains, well, they weren't subway, they were above ground, they were, they were up on trestles. But where we were, uh, when I was a kid, uh, near Gun Hill Road and White Plains Road in the Bronx. It was the terminal point for the old 3rd Avenue L. It still existed, and it, it ran above ground uh, from Gun Hill Road, that was one end of it, to 149th Street and 3rd Avenue in the Bronx. That was still, uh, there was an extension of 3rd Avenue, an extension of Park Avenue that was part of the South Bronx and I can remember taking that train as a kid. Uh, occasionally, I would go to Fordham Prep or Fordham University for something. Or if, when I was very young, my mom wanted to take us to Alexander's Department Store on 149th Street in the South Bronx. And it, it was something that she felt comfortable enough taking uh, one or two, I guess there were, were, were there five of us by then, but some obviously too young to go, but we would be going on this train down from where we were in the projects into the South Bronx and feeling, clearly my mom feeling uh, relatively uh, comfortable enough and safe enough to do that. It was a this is the 50s. It was uh, early 60s. It was, it was clearly a different world. And uh, one, though, that I have very fond memories of, as, as that train would come into Gun Hill Road, the terminus, the northernmost terminus of the 3rd Avenue L, which used to run above ground all the way through the Bronx and then all the way through Manhattan. It was one of the original train lines, sub, sub, well, above ground, uh, aqua, you know, uh, viaduct lines, uh, train lines in New York, public transit. Um, as it came into its northern terminus, it had to make this very tight 90-degree turn. That's how it got to the end of the line. And the sound that came with that term was a screeching, I mean, you talk about metal on metal screeching. It was a screech, and you, it was unmistakable. And people who came, uh, who, who were coming to either visit us or who hadn't been around there, for the first time, uh, were so aware of that sound. And of course, we who lived with it day in and day out, you could have that sound uh, happening however many times a day a train either came into or left the Gun Hill Road station and the sound was no less strong. Um, the decibel levels were no different but you didn't hear it after a while. It was there. If you stopped and focused on it, it was there. But you just incorporated that sound into your brain. Something, something happens in us, things that we just don't bother noticing anymore, simply because we know they're going to happen. We would rather not focus on them, and we learn how not to. And we learned how not to as a group. Uh, it, it becomes a shared non-experience. I don't know how else to describe that. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I, it gets more interesting than that, I, I must tell you. My bedroom as a kid living in the projects 
was at the same level as the bell tower of the Catholic Church that was directly across the street from my window. Immaculate Conception Church in the Bronx, its bell tower was right there. And beginning at 6 o'clock in the morning, every morning, it rang what they called the Angelus Bells. It was a prayer that was, uh, well, it was, it was part and parcel of, of my growing up. I don't know that it's still said. I don't know that there are other than for religious orders, perhaps. But those bells rang at 6 a.m. They were relatively soft bells. But by 7 or 7.30, louder bells would start ringing, which were designed to let you know that a mass, a, a religious uh, event called the mass, was going to be taking place in a few minutes or whatever the case may be, and the tradition was to call people to be there. Well, just like the screeching train, which was on the other side of the building that we no longer heard, but its sound was reflected off of the church, so it was there, it was present. If you focused on it, boy, you knew it was there. The bells became something of a absorbed sound, and you just didn't hear them. But I, I'm, I'm convinced, by the way, that had they not rung, I would probably have been aware of them. Now, I, I have no way of proving that, but I remember having a discussion about that at one time with a friend of mine that, you know, do you, you know, who lived in the building with me and also who lived on a higher floor and who obviously was exposed to these bells, a, a, a Jewish kid, by the way, what was uh, uh, um, Andy? And, uh, and, and I said, do you hear? She, he goes, yeah, yeah, how could you not? I said, do, you, do they wake you up? He goes, no. And d does the sound of the train wake you up? No. And we got into a, con we were, I guess by then we were probably in our early teens. And we got into a conversation, interesting conversation about, would we notice it if it wasn't there? which is all a long-winded, roundabout way of considering the potential absence. <laughs> I don't know if this is working or not. I'm, I'm, I'm just going with this. Uh, I, I will tell you, I will tell you, you have the good fortune <laughs> of David Bogby. It is, it's Friday, by the way. It's the 19th of May. And you have the good fortune of David Bach joining us in the second segment of our show. But I'm, I'm just tossing this out there because it, I wonder, I wonder what it would be like. Would we notice it? Would I notice it? Would people in general notice it if suddenly political reporting sort of stopped? If, if suddenly <coughs> we didn't hear about Donald for some period of time, if, if all of a sudden the conflicts, the, the insanity, the, the madness, it just sort of, as if, as if you went on vacation uh, to some cabin in the mountains and you willfully uh, made sure that it was a place with no Wi-Fi, certainly no TV. Yeah, maybe you brought an emergency radio with you or something, some form of communication. But you went out of your way to make sure that you weren't going to be on your computer looking up the, the current news feed to find out what level of outrageousness uh, had been recently uh, put forth in an effort to do whatever it is Donald does to keep 
the base or whatever part of the base uh, constantly revved up with his culture wars and anger and grievance and everything else and hero worship and being a cult leader and all that and reminding people that January 6th was a, a beautiful day or whatever the hell basically comes into his mind at that moment that his people can go, yeah, about at that moment. Would I miss it? Would you miss it? Are we, are we so defined by our reaction to conflict, by, by our observation of other people's expression of grievance, that it would be, at a minimum, at a minimum, missed not to be fed that information. You, you, I know I'm going to get it from all my usual sources, my media sources, and plus the, the rational print media, well, print digital media, it's not, nothing is just print anymore, the Times, the Wall Street Journal, uh, the New York, you know, the, 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 the Washington Post. I mean, you're going to get all this information. MSNBC, I don't trust CNN anymore, blah, blah, blah. Looking at the others, looking at the crazies, looking at Fox and others just to get the uh, opposite point of view or to see how it could be spun, whatever it is that needs spinning. If that suddenly was not there for a day, then two days, then maybe a week. How, how would I do? How would you do? Would there, would there be a, a sense that you missed something, that by not being um, constantly exposed or not being perpetually aware, you're either A, not in it, and you'll be perceived by someone or something as being less uh, less of a significant uh, player, as it were, or, you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's sort of a social status argument, uh, or is there something, have we, people on the left, and I'm center-left, but, but everyone in the, on the left, have we developed a need to share in other people's, or be aware of, or, or to analyze, or to somehow get into the, the weeds with the other side's grievances. Do we need to feel grievance about their grievances? Or perhaps, I would say even worse, do we feel a need to constantly see ourselves as above? their grievances? Do, do we need the news to differentiate ourselves from them as much as Donald and et al. basically work to differentiate them from us? Are we in a cycle of differentiation that basically doesn't depend on the events of a given day to be, to be triggered. It, it's not, well, this is bigger and more important than something we've dealt with in the last few days or, or nothing like this happened in the last month. We really need to focus like that. Or, or is it we have a fix and, and we need our fix and our fix is a way of differentiating ourselves from them, the MAGA crowd and Republicans generally, as much as they have a need, they desire their fix for differentiating themselves from us. And if that is the case, what is being accomplished by this, this never-ending cycle of differentiation? What are we doing? Do we, do we gain something from this? Are we better for it? Do we ultimately improve the country? Do we find a way to not have Donald or his ilk uh, back in positions of power? Do, are we wiser and more effective by, for being constantly saturated with the information that we have. Would we be better off 
stepping away from all this and both not oversaturating ourselves with information, but not making ourselves a target of the other side. I'm sorry. Yes, you could be as angry as you want and you could jump up and down. We're not listening. We're not there. Jump up and down, do whatever you want. Uh, we're, we're just not paying any attention to you today. And, and, I, and I, simply, I, I simply bring this out as an option. As, as, as there, there's nothing so scientifically bizarre about the idea of turning off our political media, of refusing ourselves uh, our fix of today's political junkie information. Stepping out of that world for as long as we need to, to allow other thoughts and feelings and emotions to enter our minds. Things that possibly could be healthier for us of course the, the counter argument of course no what'll be healthy for us is to make sure we don't get lunatics like donald back yes i know that we all know that but are we ultimately are the people who are looking for uh, a, a more perfect union the people who are looking to have a a progressive evolution a a an effective constant change that basically lifts and improves all of us, that lives up to the, the, the expectations, to the dreams of the, of the founders of our country, this, this, this amazing notion that you could have self-governance without a king, without a monarch, that it can be that there could be constant elections that government meant was meant to be representative not imp impositional on people and 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 that would we be better at it if we just stopped fighting even if we can't get the other side to stop yelling for a while but if our side just stopped fight if we declared a unilateral cease, political ceasefire for the hell of it, just to see what it would be like. No, I'm not going to respond to you. I'm, I'm not going to get upset by you. I'm not going to uh, allow myself to, uh, to, to feel threatened and, and, and have this counter-grievance reaction to anything you're saying, to anything Donald is saying, to anything the media is asking me to be upset about, anything that a panel is, is obsessing over and furious about and, or warning about because it pretends the end of the country or something or other. Could I just back away from that I don't know, I guess start with, you know, 24 hours. S something, some way to basically stop all of that. Simply to see how it might be, how we might react. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing that. I, I know that, for example, I'm... I'm going to, we're going to be driving down to an event um, this evening in New Jersey. A very dear friend of mine for years and years and years is retiring, and we're going to her retirement party. And it would be a perfect opportunity to have no political information. We're going to stay overnight, uh, stay at a local place overnight, drive back tomorrow. It would be a perfect opportunity to go 24 hours with absolutely no political input. Let's see, I'm, I'm thinking of how I could do this. I could, I could put, I, I could put uh, 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 my, my record music on in the car, get down to where we're going. I'm not going to say exactly where, but on the Jersey Shore. And 
basically walk along it, see it, check into the hotel when we can, get to the party, have a great time, check back into the hotel, get up, have breakfast, have lunch sometime tomorrow, get back on the road, and have gone through a full 24 hours. A carefully unscripted 24 hours with no political input whatsoever. None. I don't care how big the stories are around everything. I don't care about the debt, debt ceiling negotiations. Everybody knew that wasn't going to go anyplace in the end anyway. It was just going to be whoever's jumping up and down. But there'll be more jumping up and down about that before it really is completely dealt with. And there'll be more about the G7. And there'll be more about uh, Russia and Putin and maybe putting some more sanctions and blocking the diamond trade I'm hearing about. And there's all of that will be going on. And DeSantis will say something stupid and Trump will say something back about DeSantis and either call him DeSanctus or DeSanctimonious. And DeSantis will threaten Disney and Disney will threaten on and on and on and on. Can I block it all out for just 24 hours? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to my wife. She obviously will be in, the, she'll be in the car with me, and she'll be at this event, and we'll be doing the whole thing together. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, agree with, I hope we can agree, that there will be no political input. And, and the other thing is to figure out how easy or how difficult is it to avoid political input just for 24 hours. What would it take? How hard can it be? And, and how will it feel? Will I miss it? Will I feel I've cheated myself of something? Will I have not had information that might ultimately be used here in the shows? Well, what will have happened? I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine it will be anything devastating. Not, not, not for 24 hours. But we're going to try it. At least I hope we, we will try it, since she'll be with me. We, it would be very helpful if the two of us are on the same page. We, we can do that. And let's see what it's like. Let's just see what it feels like, knowing full well that I'll be returning to this world shortly thereafter, whenever thereafter ends. But maybe just feeling a little lighter, a little more clarified, a little more uh, in possession of perspective, having maybe stepped back a half a step more than I normally would, and seeing things with a bit more clarity, with a bit more perspective, getting away from other people's, and perhaps my own, grievances, just to, you know, step back and smell the roses, as it were if only for just one day. David will be with us in just a moment. Meanwhile, perfect timing. A little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to center-left radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You're listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You already know it's Friday. You already know what is the usual course of events on Friday. Why change it now? David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot. And if you want to know more, you can follow me at Twitter at FacesIdeasNew. Um, so there's a couple of things, but I want to refer to something that's not directly politics. This also has to do with the other podcasts I do, uh, okay. Productive Conversations with Basketball. So um, for those of you who don't follow basketball, John Morant is the superstar of the Grizzlies. Earlier this year, he got caught on Instagram uh, live waving a gun around it. They suspended him eight games. He wanted to rehab, and that was that. He got caught doing it again. Mm. Um, so the NBA is considering his punishment. Now, J.J. Redick is a former player, and he's one of the better announcers on um, ESPN. He had a, They were talking about this, and he had a line, and it was basically, why are we bringing the hammer down on this 23-year-old kid when there's people like Greg Abbott and other politicians? And the answer is <laughs> simple. One, we... Don't know that we're bringing the hammer out. We, as of this moment, do not know what John Moran's punishment will be for his actions. And two, it's about who you can hold responsible for things. John Morant is granted 23, but he is he has a large following because of his status as a superstar NBA player. Right. Due to that, he has to be a better role model. He has to know better. Knowing comparing him to Greg Abbott is not a good comparison because one, he's a better person than Greg Abbott. And two, you can hold Greg Abbott accountable every four years. You choose to live like this in Texas. They choose. This yeah. is not a, yeah. this yeah. is not a debate. Um, again, nothing will make more less sense to me than the people of Uvalde voted 60% to put him back in office. Huh. Wow. Like it's, it's about, how much power an individual has and who they can hold responsible. Yeah. The fact that John Moran is 23 means that yes, he can still grow and learn. You cannot compare him and say, Oh, cause Greg Abbott is bad. It's okay for John Moran to do it. No, there are different degrees of bad and different degrees of people. That's, that's just worth mentioning. Cause generally 
I think they have good takes, but that is that is the wrong way to look at this. Yeah. Um, huh. So this, that's the the non political basketball side of this. Uh, let's see what else we have. We have um, impeachment week for Marjorie Taylor Greene, who um, when she wasn't doing that decided basically to call Jamal Bowman a big scary black guy. Which, and I'm going to be honest about this, I say this kind of a jest, but knowing who she is and knowing what she believes should be perceived as a threat yeah. because we we know she believes in vigilante justice. We know she's unhinged and has chased people down before. And we know that she's the type of person who would be okay, who would be, who would use the excuse, oh, I fear for my life in case of something happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. just just straight up, there's, there's like three lawmakers who, when they say things like that, you should actually be a little worried. She is one of them. But but then again, going back to what you said earlier about the difference between holding a a, a politician accountable and a, a sports figure accountable, where do you go once you've decided she's dangerous? Do you, do you are you left with the wait till the next time around for the next congressional election? Or is there something more that you reasonably, that we reasonably should, could, and must do with someone like a Marjorie Taylor Greene? Well, for her, the election, for this particular case, I would say Jamal Bowman should have security whenever she's around her because she's insane. Like, literally insane. And I wouldn't put it past her because she's that crazy. Um, but that like that's where it is also they had their um their weaponization of government uh hearings and i yeah, fucking yeah. love all these suits they're such it's every single one of them is a clown show yeah every yeah. single one um so in this hearing we got confirmation that the people who they're whistleblowers are basically people who were pro january 6th and removed from the fbi and the CIA because of it like yeah. that's who they yeah. were yeah um they're also being funded by cash Patel. now Jim Jordan's argument is, oh, they need somebody needs to be uh, they need to feed their families. So obviously cash is going to the fund, which, you know, would clearly be a thing he would um, he would be OK with if it was like the reverse of like George Soros was funding. Them. Right, right, uh, right, right. Thing is, who is Cash Patel? Cash Patel probably going to jail. Um, cash Patel is one of I don't know if he's a surrogate or a lawyer or. Oh, what exactly he is to Trump. But when the documents broke, Cash Patel went on TV and was like, yeah, I looked at classified documents all the time. It was like, yeah, that's just the thing that I did because they weren't classified, even though they were still classified. Um, that's illegal. Yeah, uh, of course it is. That's yeah. why he keeps testifying uh, in front of all these uh, committees and stuff. Um, so that that's who Cash Patel is. Like, let's he's not he is a operative for the Trump uh, organization. And the, the Trump uh, campaign. So that's – and then also, like, they're talking about the whistleblower statements. Now, they're not talking about the whistleblowers in front of them. They're talking about the whistleblowers that they had behind the doors uh, meetings with, that their transcripts that they won't let the uh, Democrats see. And this goes back, again, to the Hunter Biden laptop thing. They do not have anything. No, they don't. No. It's, it, just, it doesn't exist. Otherwise, they would be showing it. Well, they, 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 they the would have been showing it. They would have been showing it back during the Trump administration when 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 Bill Barr had full control over this and all this was already going on. So you would have seen all that already. It ain't there. It's it's far more effective to have people talking about what might or might not be there. That's what keeps the culture war BS going and keeps the uh, the, the red meat portion of Mag of the MAGA base uh, happy. This this is it to talk about it. But you don't do anything. You don't accomplish anything. You don't actually come to conclusions. You don't write a paper that describes stuff. You do something as dumb as the as the final report from uh, what's his name? The special counsel who was at it for four years. John Durham. Yes. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. Yeah. So uh, if you live, if you see anything from the right wing, basically they believe that the FBI conducted a an illegal search, a uh, just to get Trump, and Obama knew about it, and Trump knew, and, and Hillary knew about it, and Biden knew about it, and everybody. The FBI needs to be dismantled, and um, the 
the president needs to be impeached. And according to Tommy Tuberville, who last week twice said, this, these, are, these are real quotes from him, um, that white nationalists in the military aren't a problem because they're MAGA Americans, um, who said we should have no more elections. Uh-huh. Okay, sure. Right. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. That's, but what's actually going on, if you, I don't know, read the fucking thing, or um, uh, Marcy Wheeler had a really good thread on it uh, in um, on Twitter, just going through it. Yeah. Or you follow the Durham probe. It's a it's a clown show. There's nothing there. Yeah. What, now what? the Mueller investigation got people in jail for these connections. Right. The Durham investigation had three trials. The last one was laughed out of the courtroom. It was so laughably bad. He got one conviction of a guy pleading guilty because he altered some documents that didn't have much to do with anything. Like, that was what it was. Like, that's all Durham got. He was chasing conspiracy theories the entire time for Bill Barr. There's nothing there. And if there was there, he would have, I don't know, given recommendations to change things and or recommendations for prosecution, neither of which happened. In his document, he argues things that he already lost in court. Right. He re, he's rehashing his allegations just so they'll have he'll be able to get them out there again. Except that when you get to the conclusion that comes from that, the answer winds up being, "But we found nothing, and I lost it in court." I don't. I, I didn't get, read that far, but I could see it was the same BS over and over again. There was nothing there, at least in the Mueller report. <laughs> The ten counts of 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 essentially of of conspiracy, the ten that 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 were named in the second half of the document that basically involved Trump and all of that, that was conspiratorial. That they were all actionable causes of action for a criminal conspiracy, except that Mueller never put those words in there. He went, okay, here's bum bum ba ba. He did this 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 this. We have this 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 end. Number two, this, 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 and never at the end of one, two, three, or ten says, and by the way, therefore, there should be a criminal, but any first-year lawyer could have figured that out. Bill Barr looks at it and goes, well, you know, Mueller never said that these were uh, criminal, and therefore, I declare that there is no criminality, and that's where the damn thing got left, which is wild when you think about it, but... You know, you talk about weaponization of government. You talk about the weaponization of the Justice Department. That's that's the real crime there, uh, Barr. And Barr, who's trying so hard to sort of uh, resurrect himself these days and sort of cleanse his, uh, his former persona. But I go on. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And so there's two other things. There's the debt ceiling stuff. Look, ah, what's yes. probably going to happen is they're going to have to either mint the coin or use the 14th Amendment. Because there's two things here. One, Biden is going to try to cave on some of the work requirements. The Democrats are not going to let him. Because here's the, here's the thing that, that uh, people aren't talking about. This isn't a conversation between McCarthy and Biden. This is a conversation between McCarthy and the Democrats. Because McCarthy can't get this done without them. Yeah, and this he is doesn't true. Have, this is true. And the at the bare minimum, at the bare minimum to get this done... Five Republicans need to flop with the Democrats in order to pass it as a clean bill. That's that's the bare minimum. On the other side, to pass whatever convoluted budget stuff they're trying to do, they're going to need possibly 30-plus Democrats yeah. for them to do this. Because apparently the House caucus is like, no, fuck it. We're out. We're not going to negotiate anymore uh, the Freedom Caucus until the Senate passes our version. So I don't know how many members that is, but they're all gone. So you're not going to have them. So that's how many Democrats you're going to need. Like, they're not going to get this done in this way. Like, they 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 have no power. Like, that's why when he passed this nonsense, this it was because it's a destructive bill. It is uh, cutting veterans' health, cutting uh, aid to a bunch of different people. It is just vindictive and evil, and yeah. would ultimately yeah. cost more. Because yeah. here's the thing about work requirements: work requirements cost a fuck ton of money to set up and to, to build, and they don't work. Well, we've tried it before. Like they, we've tried it before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're a disaster. All it does is cause people to lose benefits because you convolute the system. It's similar to how during the pandemic, Florida had a very low unemployment rate. Not because there were jobs there, because Florida has a very convoluted unemployment system on purpose 
in order to keep those numbers down, which is a thing Rick Scott bragged about. So yeah. it's not like it's a secret. Um, so I I think he's going to have to do the 14th Amendment. And then, the, and then I don't know who sues. I don't know who sues to say I'm injured by the U.S. not defaulting on our debt. Like who, <laughs> I, I don't know who the, who the guilty party is here. Granted, some fucked up. Some fuckhead will, will do it because they, they will find some lunatic. Well, y- y- yeah, y- y- you'd have to have a Marjorie Taylor Greene or somebody who's crazy enough to say, how dare you not default on the debt? I didn't say that you could that you could actually maintain the full faith and credit of the United States. I can hear somebody doing something that's stupid. And, and of course, the base won't care. But then again, screw the base. This is, this is about preserving the full faith and credit of the United States. I just want to ask you a question. This is, let's, let's leave this as a hypothetical. If, as there seems to be some indication that Biden might actually talk about uh, going with work requirements or allowing something of that sort to be part of the final agreed package, would Democrats then themselves say, no, we'd rather default than to allow the... uh, the, the work requirements to be put in as a as a part of a compromise to get to the point of getting the uh, to getting the debt ceiling raised. Do you think Democrats I don't would? Think... No, I, I don't think so don't... either. That's I, I was just asking you. It's yeah. not. Yeah. It's not that they're going to default. I think they're they're setting this up as either you hurt poor people or you use the Fourteenth Amendment. And they're saying the Fourteenth Amendment as a last resort. But they're not saying. Do it right now and say fuck Kevin McCarthy, which you should. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's one of those things where they say like, like if you can't like you're not gonna we're not gonna let you do cuts because this is because let us be very very clear about this. The goal of this Republican House is to cause as much chaos in both the White House, the legislative, and in the economy as possible. Yeah. So that their yeah. argument is we can. Things were better when we were in power, even though they're purposely lighting things on fire. The, the arsonists will stop doing arson when you give the arsonists more powers. Basically, their argument. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. they're not they're not going to do this in good faith. But also, like, it's not like Democrats aren't doing things in good faith either. Like this Diane Feinstein thing is is it's elder abuse. It, it's fucking unbelievable that what Pelosi and Schumer and them are doing, and directly Pelosi because her daughter is her fucking handler. Like, Feinstein is gone. Like, hella gone. Like, they had an interview with her, and she didn't realize that she wasn't, um, she's been missing for three fucking months. Like, she needs to resign yesterday. Yeah. It is unbelievable what they're doing there. Just to keep, and it appears just to keep Barbara Lee from being uh, a senator for, like, a year and a half. Like, that's, that's what it looks like. It's. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot. Uh, it doesn't make any sense politically. I mean, you know, replace a Democrat with a Democrat. I mean, what are we what are we talking about? Well, it's it's because Barbara Lee's more progressive than Adam Schiff, and that's what it is. Um, internal, it's, it's, in, internal, internecine, uh, uh, you know, uh, sports and 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 fights and crap like that and everything. The woman, uh, the woman is. Allow her some dignity. I, I I totally agree with you. You know she she's in she's in bad shape, and and yes she has her her ego, but her ego isn't enough to overcome the, the obvious disability that she's working with right now. And I mean, why they can't? Why everybody can't get together and say, "Come on, guys," I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there's, there's, there's stupidity on all sides, uh, and there's no lack of uh, opportunities for people to do dumb shit, and that's kind of what I'm seeing over here. Yeah, and also, I, this is, um, this is now going back to uh, running for stuff. So DeSantis is going to run, um, going to announce in a couple, I think next week, and I think Christie's about to announce after that. Um, DeSantis just lost Florida at minimum a billion dollars. Yeah, um, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Disney's not going to open their, I think it was a new campus, and it was just going to cost a billion dollars just for them to open the campus. That's not counting 
all the people who are then going to come to it. That's not counting all the people who, all the uh, materials and stuff that are going to come into the state in order to build it. That's not going to call uh, all the vendors who are going to come into the it. jobs, like, tons of jobs. Sure, stuff, sure, sure. Yeah. God. It's, it's like 2000 jobs. It's like $200 million at least in extra stuff that he cut off. And this is literally just because like the, the longer DeSantis runs, the more he's a fucking weirdo. Like it is, They've allowed for the state to kidnap your children if they don't like how you're raising them from uh, for being gender-affirming care. They <laughs> they expanded the Don't Say Gay bill to, like, all... Tra- they're, they're investigating a teacher for showing Strange World. And knowing that it's a, a Disney movie, I imagine the gay character that they're upset about is a B-minus plot at best. And if they have more than five minutes of screen time, that would be... A goddamn miracle, yeah, considering yeah. that I don't think Disney's had a gay character have five minutes of screen time in total ever at any point. I think you're, I think you're absolutely again. It's just it's just basically an opportunity uh, for a, a cu- another culture war issue and a poor handling of it. And DeSantis basically is just looking for ways to uh, sink himself uh, in advance. Trump uh, is thrilled. Uh, watching him uh, do what he does, and uh, on and on the game goes, and I don't know where this ends with them. I, 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 I it, it just looks as though this is this is all custom designed to keep Trump up there, and basically to virtually guarantee uh, that he will have the nomination, and uh, then uh, the usual, the same, there'll be something of a repeat. Of, uh, of 2020, and of course, then there'll be, you know, I don't know, what kind of an insurrection he'll go for this time, or or what he'll do. I, I don't know. It's, it's, all, it's all crazy. It's all just crazy. Uh, maybe, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll have Carrie Lake as his running, as his running mate. I wonder if that's going to be what she, he's going to go for. I wouldn't be surprised, by the way. I've heard that mentioned lately. Well, Pence is going to jump in, and I don't know how Pence plans to win the Hang My Pence Party vote. Um, <laughs> like, uh, oh, David, I'm telling you, man, it, it, it just gets. It I, get, it's going to be incredibly stupid to watch the Trump DeSantis primary because they're they're going to sit there and go, "Oh, Trump is on the side of, di- of rumors," and they're going to talk about Mick Mulvaney, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, and the. Uh, Bud Light and they're going to get mad at like Target for something and it's going to be so stupid and then it doesn't like if DeSantis somehow wins he's going to lose by 20 20, uh, points because he has no appeal outside of the craziest people and you can't even like talk yourself into it because he first of all he's a fucking weirdo (laughs) second like this primary is going to show that they're all insane yeah, yeah, it's, uh, oh, oh, David, David, this is, this is why they play the games, this is why we, uh, this is why we show up, this is why we, we go back and forth, it, 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 it gets wackier and wackier, and we are still, we're still talking from the perspective of today's madness. There are still all these other indictments that are going to happen. The earth is going to shift several more times. I, I mentioned this morning earlier on the first segment of the show, uh, d- did you have any sense of the earthquake that took place yesterday? Were you aware I there was an earthquake? I did see something about that. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. What happened? I just saw that there was an earthquake. Yeah, yeah, no. And, but did you sleep through it? I'm just curious. Yeah, because it wasn't. It wasn't here. Yeah, it was in Yonkers. It was. <laughs> oh, I didn't feel it. At all. Yeah, I know a lot of, but my, my wife did. But the thing is, the thing is, I'm, I'm just saying. We can sleep through earthquakes these days was the point I was making earlier wow. in the show. You know, <laughs> and and. Uh, I, I, I wonder just 
I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to gauge what the mood and the feeling in the country is going to be as we get deeper and deeper into this insanity. Um, hope, hopefully, at least the debt ceiling will no longer be something that's out there. But of course, it'll be replaced instantaneously by every other form of madness, every other form of childishness that uh, that the Republicans can come up with. And we're going to be hobbling our way through this without any real issues, just finding differences and expressing grievances and, uh, and, sounding like, uh, and, and sounding like the recent report that just came out from the former one-time respected uh, U.S. attorney from the state of Connecticut there. Uh, it, it's, uh, we're, we're just going to have to live through this and eventually, you know, I, I, I was saying this in the first half of the show also, maybe eventually get to a point where, ah, oh, it's over. Maybe we can sort of feel a little more relaxed. I don't know if that's in a post-Trump world. I don't know where it is. But at some point, feeling as though, well, we no longer have to be this crazy, but we're, we're far from there yet. And this is why you and I are here and, uh, and keeping our voices and our eyes and our, and our emotions and our, and our rationales and our, and our capacity for, uh, for critical thought uh, in the mix and hopefully to continue doing it uh, for as long as absolutely necessary. That seems right now like it's going to be a while. By the way, where else can people hear you doing critical reasoning? Um, you can find me on Twitter at at Faces Ideas New, and I do basketball talks on a Productive Conversation bot, podcast. Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, once again, David, thank you so much. And um, we are. Oh my, my! Look at that. We we timed it perfectly. This is exactly exactly when I am supposed to be saying. I couldn't have scripted it better. I'm supposed to be saying right now. A little more jazz. listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. It's, it's a vexing question. Is it safe to just look away for a little while? Can we, can we let Donald and company just sort of play out their own clown show without us having to be an audience? Dare we not be aware of everything they're doing? Would it be too dangerous to leave them on, the, on their own, hoping that they'll just simply self-destruct, or must we watch forever? forever.